This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. Welcome back to Main Corpse. I'm excited. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second and not say something else. Uh, welcome back to Main Corpse. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm your host, Kelsey. She's Kelsey. Uh, and today, I've got one that's going to be a little switcheroo. And I'm excited. I'm really excited for this one. I have worked on this one for about a month. Oh, gosh. Uh, kind of piecing together how I wanted to do this. So it's going to get good. And today, we have a local absolute favorite of people telling us to try it. Um, that I have been not... not It's not that I've not been wanting to try it. I just... They weren't on my radar. Um, and that is uh, Menard's Spaghetti Inn. Isn't that what it's called? That is what it's called. All I can think of now that Menard's, the hardware store is here, is save big money at Menard's. But they've been around way longer, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They have a really cute restaurant. Have you Do ever they? been in it before? Um, I think... I think once or twice when I worked for Cisco. It's like uh, it's like a house. It's like walking into someone's house. It's really Cute. it's really kind of adorable. I'm not gonna lie. So I love that. We went in and picked up some food, and today what we have in front of us we have uh, their house salad and their house salad dressing. Uh, we also have the Italian sampler platter, which has sausage and peppers, uh, provolone cheese sticks, fried zucchini and fried cocktail meatballs. And we also just went with their namesake, which I think is just uh, their spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. So, uh, and we also have a little bit of bread, which I'm excited about. I love bread. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take some pictures of this so you guys can see it. Uh, when Like the peppers came separately and the sausage is literally just a chunk of sausage that someone has, uh, has literally deep fried. And I appreciate that. I think this is the cocktail meatball. I think so too, and I think it is also done the exact same way. Yeah, it's yeah. just a meatball that it's got a little meatball. Yeah, tossed into deep a deep fryer. Uh, you can't argue that. Uh, you have zucchini; it's like a breaded zucchini, and this is their mozzarella stick, which I'm really interested it's a wedge, in. Yeah. yeah, it's more of a wedge. So I'll get some pictures of this real quick before we start eating. Let me do that now. That way, I don't forget. And then. A week from now, Brittany is mad at us. Mad at us because I didn't send it to her. Yeah. Or just not taking any photos at all. Yeah, sorry, Britt. Um, we're terrible. Okay, so let's go ahead and, and I guess dig in. Where do you want to start? I'll let you pick where we start. Ooh. Um, well, the only true way to judge an Italian place is by their meatballs. So I guess okay. let's start there. Let's do their meatballs. And the flavor's good. The flavor's really good. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of the texture, personally. It's really... What do I want to say? Fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been oh, it's been very worked. Um, I like a more um, loosely worked meatball that has a little bit more mm -hmm. of a grain to it. But I'm going to say it actually does have a pretty darn good the flavor. The flavor's good, though. Yeah. I, I like, like that. Let's try a little bit of the spaghetti here. It's good. The marinara is not bad. I like the marinara. Yeah, it's a very tomatoey marinara. Um, yeah. it, it's very. It tastes really fresh. I like that it's not overly sweet, which you. like yeah. a lot of places around here. I was really worried that it was going to be super, super sweet, and it definitely is not. Yeah, this is a really for the price. I think it was twelve bucks yeah. for a bit, and there's this is like a quarter of what I took out of that container. Yeah, 
Um, it's a good value. I'll say that. All right, I'm going to try the cocktail meatball that's been deep fried. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. All right, let me try it. Okay. My issue is that most of the time you bread a meat to hold in the moisture. Mm-hmm. It's not... It's very yeah. dry. Mm-hmm. Super dry. And doesn't have, like, a really great flavor behind it. I'm going to say it's not the worst thing I've ever tried. Uh, it might On be the better, show, even, but it I... It might be better dipped in their marinara. It, it does come with a little side of that. I don't think it will, but you can certainly I'll try it. it. I'll try it for you. So, let's see. No, it's more offensive that way. <laughs> I'm going to try the peppers by themselves and then with the deep fried mm -hmm. sausage. I think you'll like these peppers. Mmm. Man, I, I really like that. I knew you would. They're really fresh and still kind of oh, crunchy. Oh, wow. It gives okay. me the impression that these are probably house made. Yeah. So, so far, they are, they're really doing well uh, because the meatball is the only thing I've had so far that I didn't really, the, the, co the fried cocktail meatball, only thing I've had so far I didn't like. So, let's try this fried piece of Italian sausage. going to pull a piece out of the middle. It's a very basic Italian sausage. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like the way they deep fried it, personally. No, I would rather have it grilled, personally. Honestly, if you're doing it in batches, I would even say, like, throw it in the oven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems think, like... Sorry. I was going to say, the oily flavor really takes away from how good the sausage probably started. Yeah. And to pair it up with those fantastic yeah. like, peppers... I just, I feel like it could be better. That said, so far the food's really good. Yeah. And better than what I anticipated from like a local spaghetti house. I, I'm not going to lie. I like the taste of the sausage. And I like, because if you look at the sausage, they actually have a larger mm -hmm. grain sausage. Uh, and I'm really all about, I'm, I'm a very textural eater. And that larger grain, I really yeah. dig. Well, that's um, why I took a piece out of the center to try. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the fry oil is really the only thing that's holding that sausage back. Would, would we eat the peppers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt's over here just you guys don't, the peppers. You guys don't know this about me, but locally, it's really popular for places to <laughs> jar their own um, Italian peppers, and I really don't like them normally. The peppers from here, this is my favorite pepper I've had around here. This is really good. Um, I really enjoy that. So far, I'm impressed. Uh, we got ah. the sampler so we could try different things, and... So far, uh, the the peppers have been my favorite part. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I really like it. So, what do you want to do next? The cheese stick or the fried is it zucchini? Tell you what, I will go for one and you go for the other. So, which one do you want? I'm gonna let you pick. You're the worst. Um, I'll, I'll pick. Um, I'll go zucchini. All right. Only because I'm afraid the cheese stick got really cold and I'm not gonna like it as much as I should. All right, I'm gonna try it without any marinara first. Okay. This is just your basic run of the mill. I bought this frozen. Um, this tastes like it was definitely freshly made. The zucchini actually tastes relatively fresh, but it needed more seasoning. Uh, you'll understand what I mean when you try it. The breading is just very bread. It doesn't have, or the batter is just very batter. Um, it needed some more salt, but I do like the zucchini. I think it has a really good flavor. I agree. Yeah. 100%. I think a little bit of paprika in mm -hmm. that batter would just take it right over the wake edge. it up. Mm-hmm. Um, with the marinara, it's pretty good. I'm gonna not. I'm not gonna lie. The little side cup of marinara they give you is not as good as what they put on their spaghetti. Um, it's not bad though. It's it's like I said, it's, it's inoffensive. It's not great. It's not terrible. All right. So now I'm gonna try the cheese stick. It tastes like it's just the base of this, without um, the chunks. Mm -hmm. So it's not bad. 
No, it's a cheese stick. Yeah, I mean, it's just your run-of-the-mill provolone wedge. They probably bought it frozen, fried yeah. it, and it's not bad. It's not terrible. Good. Yeah, it's got good flavor. Yeah. Fresh, it would be pretty bomb. Out of actually. this world, yeah. yeah. Fresh, it would be really good. So, I'll be honest with you. The sampler platter, three out of the five things I kind of like. Yeah. I like the peppers. Um, I like the fried zucchini. I really like the peppers. I'm sitting here just eating peppers. The, I've got a whole other thing. We can just half that while we do the episode of here. <laughs> um, I like the mozzarella stick. I, I mm-hmm. The things I'm not crazy about, the, the fried meatball was definitely last place for me. The sausage i think has a good flavor but where they deep fried it it's it's too oily for me just a little bit too oily because you know sausage is already oily yeah Um, adding extra oil on top of it kind of seems like a bad idea so i think the only thing we have left to really try here is the salad so i got the salad with their house salad dressing because i'm always uh anxious to see what house dressings taste like it's a basic oil vinegar salt pepper Mm -hmm. it's not bad it's not bad at all. I'm going to say I love Me oil too. and vinegar dressings like that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really solid. The, yeah. The lettuce is surprisingly fresh. Very um, fresh. Yeah. That is a very ripe tomato in it. Good. I would eat the entire thing if I, it was in front of me. Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, my only critique would be throw a couple peppers in there maybe. Olives. Like uh, peppers and olives and maybe even um, some sort of cheese or something like that. I'd fight God for olives. Yeah, so. I love olives. Me too. I love them. Um, well, we know that because we both love olive tapenade. on. It's true. Uh, like to the point that we'll fight over it if it's sitting somewhere. Oh, speaking of, I've got some to send home with you today. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I'm going to say about Menards. It's good. It's really good. Um, yeah. I, I will go back for spaghetti. Yeah, I will I, stop by there and pick up a thing of spaghetti from time to time. It's I really have good. a local place from my hometown that does spaghetti and meatballs, and I am obsessed with it. Which and we're going to try someday. We someday. They've got weird hours. Yeah. Um, but, like, this isn't a bad substitute. Mm-hmm. If I was like, you know what, I just really want spaghetti and meatballs. If you want... And I'm lazy today. If like, you want a basic... Take you back good to the Italian, 10-year-old yeah. Italian spaghetti and meatballs. It's that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like their meatball. I love the flavor enough that I will forgive the fact that it is a little bit over, overworked. Um, a little bit I overworked for my flavor. I think that's pretty it's on a style. par for the, it's a style. the area. Yeah. Agreed. But the flavor is good, and I'm always concerned that I'm not going to like the meatballs. Yeah, I, I am picky with meatballs. <laughs> I really am. Oh, I can't so. wait for you to try that local spaghetti place I, I love. Because I literally will just buy a dozen of their meatballs at once. That's a good spaghetti and meatballs. Mm-hmm. Me and you were just sitting here tearing up the spaghetti and meatballs. I really... I was concerned I wasn't going to like this. Me too. I was... So, here's the thing. I get burnt by a lot of local Italian places. I'm not going to go into who they are. Because I'm not here to talk trash on anyone. But I get burnt by some of the local Italian spots and you know uh, who you are we don't have to tell you yeah there's a billion of them around here mm-hmm. i've been sleeping on menards i'm not gonna lie and i yeah. think it's i think every time i drive by they're so unassuming that i'm like eh, nothing that good could come from there and I, mm-hmm. I was wrong this is a 
darn, this is a darn good spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and at the price, you could feed two people with this easy, especially mm -hmm. with a side salad. Now, I'm going to not lie, guys, you're going to have to dress up their side salad a little bit. It, it, only, it literally just has, from what I can see, lettuce and tomato. Um, if it was supposed to have more than that, maybe they're out of some of their ingredients today. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, but that's I all mean, it but really here's is. here's the thing. Yeah. There's, there's a local place that charges a whole lot of money for a salad with that much stuff yes. in it. And it's not that good. I'm going to say it borders on being bad if we're thinking of the same place. If we're thinking of the same place, I would tell you I would never spend a dime there. Personally. <laughs> Are they located on Route 50? On Route 50 now. No? Oh, okay. We'll talk after the show. All right. So um, that's probably a good segue for me to move <laughs> my food out of the way and get started with today's episode. All right. So I'm going to warn you guys. I'm coming in hot today because I have got one that is very near and dear to my heart because it. it involves yeah. something I'm very passionate about. Oh, no. Before I, we start, uh -huh. go ahead. You were saying something? Y'all need to buckle up because I got a text this morning that said, this is a very me episode. So my guess is cults or soapbox? Possibly both. There's a third one you have to add to that. We'll get Movies? to it in a minute. Sorry, a fourth one now that you have to add to it. I have literally found the perfect story for me to talk about, guys. I found it. I found the perfect story. All right, before we get started, I would like to share an inspirational quote with everybody. And tell me if you've heard this one before. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. I have heard that before. Okay, perfect. Keep that in mind. Okay, so with that in mind, I would like to talk to you guys first about a gentleman named Warren Wells. Have you ever heard of Warren Wells before? I have indeed. All right. So you might know where this is going. Or maybe you're thinking of a different Warren Wells. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Let's go. Warren Wells was an American college and professional football player who played wide receiver for the Detroit Lions and the Oakland Raiders. Oh, I see. That's why this is a okay. mad story. <laughs> Just forget you're a football guy. Okay. I, by the way, guys, I'm a huge, huge, huge Raiders fan. So, just so you know. Wells grew up in Beaumont, Texas. He attended Herbert High School and was one of 16 pro, pro football players honored with keys to that city in 1971. He attended Texas Southern University until 1964 and was taken in the 12th round of the 1964 NFL Draft by the Detroit Lions. If you're bored already, stick with me. This is going somewhere you would never expect. I'm, I'm still listening. During his professional career, he made nine appearances in games with the Lions, and only had two receptions for 21 yards his rookie year. Not a good season. Two receptions for 21 yards. I don't know what that means. So he's so you know the, who the quarterback is? He throws the football? Yes. The people who go catch it are wide receivers. Okay. So he was a football wide receiver. During the season, um, he, only, he only had uh, he two only catches two? for 21 yards. Oh, no! Um... He was drafted into the U.S. Army um, after that season ended in 1967. He returned uh, from his military service and was signed by the Mighty Raiders. While with the Raiders, uh, mostly with his quarterback, Daryl LaMonica, he was one of the most dangerous wide receivers in the league. 
finishing with over 20 yards per catch average over his four seasons. He literally was poised to be one of the greatest wide receivers in the history of the NFL when he came back from the draft. All right. He was a killer. He was very, very good. In 1969, he continued his run of dominance through the league, uh, leading the league with 1,260 yards and 14 touchdowns. Even by today's standards, that would be probably the best season a wide receiver would have, which is absolutely outrageous. He was an all-NFL all-star, sorry, AFL all-star in 1968 um, and was on course to be one of the greatest wide receivers in Raiders history, possibly even in NFL history. Okay. Can you tell that this goes wrong yet? Yes. Let's talk about his legal troubles. Before the 1971 season started, Wells' career was cut short following legal difficulties relating to his divorce and subsequent criminal charges. Following a Pro Bowl game in Los Angeles on January 24, 1971, Mel's was uh, sorry, Wells was arrested by the police in the locker room on a warrant for a pro, uh, for a probation violation originating from a conviction in 1969 for aggravated assault. His personal life continued to disintegrate. Um, he was known to be a heavy drinker. Um, he was caught drinking in a bar and his probation was violated and he was rearrested, taken back to jail. And the Raiders would, re- would eventually have to release him in 1971 due to all of this trouble. His personal life disintegrated further after his career was over. And in 1976, he was arrested in Beaumont, Texas for robbery while panhandling. So this man went from being on the verge of being one of the most prolific wide receivers in NFL history to being arrested for assault while and robbery while panhandling. Um, also noted by a Bay Area newspaper during this time, Wells was arrested for carrying a gun in his car and a judge, instead of sending him to prison, allowed him to enter rehab. Would you like to know where he went to rehab? I would love to know where he went to rehab. Have you ever heard... Of Synanon before? I have not. Welcome to the cult portion of this episode. Yes. Ladies and gents. Because we're about to go down a freaking rabbit hole. Warren Wells was released from the NFL and forced to go to rehab in a cult. And it destroyed his life. I mean, his life was already kind of shit. Mm-hmm. It was rough. So, let's talk about Synanon, shall we? This is the most influential cult you have never heard of before. They are a wild story. So, Synanon was started by Charles Diederich, um, also known as Chuck Diederich, in Santa Monica, California. Um, And it was in the 1960s-ish that it started. I I can't really hammer down an exact date. So let's go into the life of Chuck just a little bit. Chuck was a raging alcoholic in his early life. We love to see it. he was forced um, out of a position, pretty high ranking in a company, to attend AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. While he was at AA, um, he was... 
um, inspired, but he was also disturbed by the fact that Alcoholics Anonymous only was there to help people with alcohol addiction. He noticed that they were not helping people who had heroin addiction, who had, you know, addiction to other drugs and, and things like that. And uh-huh. he wanted to see something better for people who were addicts. He, he wanted to try to build a better world for people. So he was kind of racking his brain on how to do that. And he was roped into an LSD experiment. So he was actually taken to a university. I can't remember what university it is. And he was given LSD to treat his alcoholism. The late 1950s, early 1960s. He was taken into a group uh, where he was... Hold on. Isn't this when the government was doing mm-hmm. experiments on the public overall? Mm-hmm. Because I was just listening to a podcast yeah. about that when you walked in. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is, this is some pretty wild stuff. So, again, Charles, uh, <laughs> he was taken into a program through a university. I can't remember which university, and I thought I had it written down, but I guess I don't. Um, and he was given LSD to try to treat his alcoholism. Um, by all accounts, it worked, and he was no longer an alcoholic. And he said that the LSD um, kind of woke him up, kind of woke him up. And at this point, he coined a phrase for his new group that he was about to start called Synonym, uh, and it was, today is the first day of the rest of your life. What the fuck? That's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can walk into a place right now, and you can buy an inspirational poster that says, Today is the first day of the rest of your life. I believe Dr. Seuss even used a version of it in a book. That's literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, this gets so much deeper. So, he created um, Synanon which I believe is, I think I'm saying that name right. Yes, Synanon, to try to help people um, who were addicted to harder drugs like heroin. Um, And he created, so so basically, Synanon began as a two-year residential program. But Diedrich soon concluded that its members could never graduate because a full recovery was impossible. The program was based on the testimony of a few group members and their tribulations and urges of relapsing and their journeys to recovery. Synanon organization, the Synanon organization also developed a business that sold promotional items. This became a successful enterprise um, that for a time generated roughly $10 million per year. Um, this man was very, very business savvy. So again, Synanon started as a program that you could graduate from. And after so long, he changed it into a program that you could never graduate from. And he came up with a type of, uh, let's call it therapy. It's a group therapy. And it was known as attack therapy. Have you ever heard of this before? I have, but I'm not sure like... What that means? Exactly what it is. Yeah. So it was also known as the game inside of Synanon. And what it was, was they would put you in a group with your other members. And instead of you talking about what your problem was and why you were struggling, things like they do in Alcoholics Anonymous, they would just attack each other. And not just for their... 
um, addictions and things like that, they would attack each other over things that had happened throughout the week. They would ask him questions like, who's someone who pissed you off this week? And what's something that someone did in here to you that makes you angry? And they would make you scream and yell at each other and break each other down to the point of exhaustion, sometimes going as long as 72 straight hours. That seems healthy. Okay. Later on, only after people figured out that this was totally a cult, did people start to look at it and professionals said it was a way to break people down and try to rebuild them or remold them um, the way that Chuck Diedrich wanted to remold them. Which I think you can tell that's what he was doing. Well, obviously. Okay. So this goes so far. Uh, so it started to get really, really big. And when I say really big, I mean that Leonard Nimoy started to drop by from time to time. They made a full movie called Synanon um, in the 1960s that starred Edmund O'Brien, uh, Chuck Connors, and Eartha Kitt. They made a full film about this cult. And at the time, not realizing it was a cult, they actually um, painted it in a positive way, making it look like it was a place for, you know, down on their luck heroin addicts to get the help that they needed. Um, It got out of hand very, very quickly, and it had a lot of public support. Oh, God. Yes. So, um, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's it's pretty wild. Uh, they also, uh, if you've, have you ever heard of the movie THX 1138? You ever heard of this movie before? I have not. So THX 1138 was made by George, uh, George Lucas before he made Star Wars. And when he was making this movie, just to tell you how deep this went with the public, um, he needed extras who were willing to shave their heads. And when he could not find any, he went to Synanon and used them as the extras in his movie. So when you watch THX 1138, you're actually uh, watching members of a cult take part in this movie. Okay. Okay. So it okay. gets it gets even worse. So after a while, um, Chuck started to started to realize that he could easily lose control of his people. So what he did, you heard the first part was he said you can never graduate from it. He convinced people who didn't have heroin uh, addictions and drug addictions and alcohol problems to join this group as um, as basically lifestyle members, and they would eventually start to turn over all of their money and everything to his church. The people who were part of the cult would work in his garages. He opened up uh, like car like car repair garages. He opened up all these places and they would work for like 50 bucks a month. And then they would have to give some of that money back to the church. So he basically created a slavery ring for himself. Slavery Ponzi scheme. And as he started to get older, he would start to change the rules of this organization. So when it first started, they were allowed to smoke cigarettes. Um, He had to quit smoking cigarettes because he developed some breathing disorders. So guess what happened? No one got cigarettes because... Everybody Uh had to stop. So one of the tenets of this religion, which later on they did establish themselves officially as a religion, so they were tax-exempt... 
as a religion, um, one of the tenets was you could not step yourself off of drugs. You had to go 100% cold turkey. So he made all of his followers, while they were trying to detox from heroin and alcohol and things like that, go cold turkey on cigarettes as well. One of his followers actually made a comment um, that heroin was easier to quit than cigarettes saying that with heroin the urge to take it was gone after about two weeks but six months in they were still having nicotine withdrawal and nicotine fits so this is the type of um, mental breakdown that he was attempting to make these people have that all tracks yeah okay he also started to lose his hair he started to bald a little bit so guess what he did Made everybody shave their heads. Made everybody shave their heads. And that's why they were all extras in THX 1138. It was because he needed people to shave their heads uh, for a couple scenes, but they were just extras, and he couldn't find any women who were willing to shave their heads. So he went to the cult and got the cult to stand in. I mean, I wouldn't shave my head right now. I wouldn't either. Yeah. (laughs) No, thank you. Um, He also uh, got divorced in the 1970s, and he uh, made all of the other people in the religion also break up and take new partners. He took a partner for himself, um, and he started to allow children to join the cult as well, but it got so out of hand that he banned children and then used the game, that social control game that he did where he would break you down, to convince men to get vasectomies and force pregnant women to have abortions. (sighs) He would use the group therapy as a way to mentally break people down to the point that he convinced them to have vasectomies and abortions. Well, that doesn't sound religious at all. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. So, eventually, the IRS would catch up uh, with, with him, like everybody does, and they would come calling, and eventually this religion would fold under the weight of, of this, and they, bullshit, right? they ended up owing $7 million and had to declare bankruptcy. Um, it was a real, real mess. But there's a couple other things that you should be aware of, too. Um, when it comes to this cult, there was something else that was very, very interesting, and that was as they kept growing larger and larger and larger, um, of course lawsuits from previous members started to pop up. So there was a lawsuit in the 1970s in which um, they were found guilty of imprisoning a woman against her will, holding her against her will. And she won $300,000 off of the church. So the church sent two men to the home of the lawyer who won this case. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this one? What do Something you think? Something tells me I'm not. What do you think they did? Um, Take a guess. Let's see. Was it murder? It was close. But how do you think they did it? How, how do I think that they murdered him? Tried. Or attempted to murder mm-hmm. him? Okay. You know what? I don't know. They took a rattlesnake. I see. I wouldn't have had a good guess. Cut off its rattle so it wouldn't make noise and put it in his mailbox. 
and it worked. He opened his mailbox and was bit by the rattlesnake. Luckily, he was close enough that some neighbors saw and heard what happened. They rushed him to the hospital, and he survived. And the men responsible were arrested. And they were cult members who were sent there to do that. I have never heard of anything like that in my entire life. I have. I've seen that in a movie somewhere. Uh, Kill Bill. Yeah. Yeah. And Kill, I thought the same thing. <laughs> but it wasn't a rattlesnake. It was a, I believe it was a black mamba. Doesn't matter. Absurd. Yeah. The, the black, see, the thing is. It's in fucking Kill Bill. It's absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. It's, it's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, they, they put a rattlesnake in his, um, in his mailbox. And there was another uh, former member who was speaking out against them. And he sent men to his driveway when he was getting in his car. They beat this man so bad he was in a coma for over a week and almost died from his injuries. The lawyer in question, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, I didn't really want to use all their names anyway, just, just to be safe. But the lawyer in question, he, as of the last I heard, maybe mid-2010s, was still alive. Oh, but wow. he was suffering from blood poisoning, um, signs of dementia, things like that. And he's quoted as saying, it's the slowest hit job in the history of, oh, of hits. Uh, because he, he blames all of those. That? Yeah. He blames all of those. Uh, I, I like that kind of humor. I don't want to laugh, but the dark humor is really... Yeah, the dark humor is excellent, right? Yeah. So, yeah, he um, he is... Uh, so from my knowledge, he was still alive last I heard. He may not be now. Um, it should also uh, be, sit, be brought up that um, he also... Uh, and, and by he, I mean Chuck Diedrich, created a military force... He created a military force, and they were uh, called the Imperial Marines. So basically, they were a militia. They were a militia, yes. They were a militia. Um, And he started to make public threats. Uh, He would say things like, um, I'll cut your children's arms off. You'll be surrounded by men who are twice your size, and they won't stop until my work's done. Uh, he he started to really go go off the deep end, and later on, after creating this and convincing, listen to this. At one point, one in every five Fortune 500 company was donating money to this group because they thought they were a legitimate rehabilitation facility. Oh shit! So people still thought they were a legit yes. place while he's doing all this yes. deranged shit? Yes. It took until the night. This went all the way through the 1960s, 70s, and into the 80s before anyone finally really caught on to it. There were some people who did exposés in the late 60s and in the 70s about the group, but they would do basically what Scientology does today. Name drop Scientology. You might as well end up on that list. Um, and they they would attack people who would speak out against them. Uh, they would try to dig up dirt on them. They would physically assault them. They would put fucking rattlesnakes without a rattle on it in their mailboxes to have them attack their enemies. And it took a long time before what they had done finally caught up. And when it did, um, Dietrich was smart enough to just kind of jump out of it. And the people who were left with the with, left with kind of the remnants of what had happened were the ones who eventually 
let it uh, let it go into uh, co- collapse, right? They just let it collapse. So this all goes back because there's a lot more about this. I could spend all day, but there are full, finally, there are full documentaries about this cult and about what had happened here. But I do want to go back really quick to um, Warren Wells because we did start with him. And I think it's worth talking about him one more time. So later in life, um, even after he went to Synanon, Warren Wells, uh, because of all the people I hear them talk about, I never hear him mentioned. And I think it's tragic that someone who was set up to be such a success um, was forced into a cult against his will and had his life destroyed because of it. And like you said, he was already on a bad trajectory at that point, but real rehabilitation could have likely helped him a lot. Um, So he continued to struggle with alcoholism and eventually dementia. He was all but forgotten by Raiders fans because he had only been there for four seasons in the early years of the Raiders. But later in his life, and I actually got to watch this, um, he got to attend a game and there's a torch that they light that says like once a Raider, always a Raider. He got to light that. And Aww. yeah, and you could just tell he, he was struggling with dementia at that time. So I don't know that he quite knew what it was, but he was really brought back in and, and was embraced by the fan base later on. Um, he was tested after his death uh, for chronic traumatic um, and so and so uh, CTE. You guys know what a CTE. I can't say that word. Um, yeah, this one right here. Encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. Maybe? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he he got to end on, um, I think, a relatively good note. He got to kind of come back to that fan base, got to be a part of that. Um, And there's even a documentary about what happened to him now um, with this cult. I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and watch it. Apparently, it's pretty low budget, but I'm still going to go check it out. Um, And I've been working on kind of uh, kind of putting the pieces together on this one for a while. There is a flood of information because they were in the public eye so much. So there is so much more and it goes so much deeper than what I just now told you. But um, I didn't want to focus all on them. I wanted to kind of focus on him because I thought it was really wild that I, I, when I saw the Warren, I didn't even know who he was for a long time. And I figured out about this story back in like 2010, 2011, I first heard about this and I never looked up the cult. And when I went down that rabbit hole, um, it was, it was wild. So I am going to get on my soapbox for just a moment. I knew it. All right. I can't help it. We ticked three of the four map boxes. <laughs> Actually, no, four because... I talked about movies. Too. Movies, yeah. I know, and I could go more into that. I'm going to find the movie and I'm going to watch it because I feel like I like have to. The movie that's called Synanon. I found the trailer for it um, and it's really crazy. It was clearly like a um, like a little exploitation movie is what it felt like. Um, I'll show you the trailer if you want to see it later on. Absolutely. So, uh, and I've watched THX 1138 like 400 times. So that's also one to check out because it ties so much into the history of the cult. Um, I am going to get on my soapbox for just a moment here. And I'm going to talk about forcing people into rehab. Um, If we're going to do that as a society, which I get it, people need help. People need to go get help. We need to make sure that because there's this is not an isolated incident, by the way. There are other rehab groups that have done horrible, terrible things to people um, who were supposed to be in their care. 
so here's my thing. Because I know you're on your box, but let me let me just step up here for sure. a second. Here's my thing about forcing people into asylums and rehab and mm-hmm. therapy and all of that. The issue with that is, especially if they are not ready mm-hmm. for that, it absolutely does them no good. Yeah. If they're not ready, the moment they're released from whatever it is, they are more susceptible and more likely to fall back into the pattern of behavior they had before. Like, I'm sorry, but it just, it doesn't work. Yeah. Forced therapy, forced rehab, mm-hmm. all of that. Like, I... You have to want, you have to want You it. have to be ready. Yeah, you have to be ready. Because yeah. if you're not ready for it, you're not in a place mentally to actually accept the help that you need. Like, you, you just aren't. And it's a waste of resources a waste Mm -hmm. of time and sometimes it's sad but sometimes people are never ready for that yeah it's it's to me it's unconscionable that because he's not the only one warren wells is who i focused on today there are people who had their lives absolutely ruined and upended by a cult that they were forced to join by a court imagine that imagine that your entire life is ruined because the court's forced you to go into this. The court forced you to join a cult. So what I'm going to say is if we are, and I, I agree with Kelsey here, we we probably should not be forcing people to go to rehab facilities. But if we're going to understand that there are a lot of people that can't afford the fucking Betty Ford clinic and they're going to get synanon or worse. Okay, so we have to make sure that if we're sending people to these against their choice and against their will, that they are actually going to help the person and not make things worse. Because they, again, I, I you know, if you're not a football fan, you don't understand what the, what a lot of those numbers mean. This This man was on his way to being a Hall of Famer. He would have been set for the rest of his life if they had just possibly handled this a little bit differently. And I understand he made his mistakes. I get that. But giving him better options and giving him the chance to get real help could have been so much more beneficial to him because he he ended up, um, again, struggling with alcohol for the rest of his life. And we're also talking about someone who was drafted and served in Vietnam. A lot of Vietnam-era soldiers ended up in similar situations like this because they got addicted to heroin, because they got addicted to alcohol. They were they were using it abusively. Um, and then we did very little to help them other than forcing them don't. into a cult. We still don't do right. anything. That's what scares me because our generation, um, you know, has been fighting several wars for decade, two decades at this point. And um, there's not... there's. There's no evidence out there that we're not sending some of these guys into similar situations right now. And that's a scary idea. The whole self-help, the whole rehabilitation community and the idea of self-help and rehabilitation, um, there there are some very real scam artists working in that field. And there are some really dangerous people. And you can easily be led astray. So keep your eyes open for stuff like that. Watch your loved ones. Um, your friends who might have addiction problems, watch where they're getting sent to and just make sure they're not going to end up in a similar situation. Honestly, even if your family doesn't have an addiction or an Mm -hmm. issue of that nature, keep an eye on them because we've got people in this world who 
aren't as um, callous as myself and Matt. And they (laughs) easily get talked into situations that most people would look at and go, that's not a thing. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, yes. I have got another one lined up for much further down the road that is about a fitness cult. Ooh, I think I know which one we're talking about. I think you do. And we're going to talk about that eventually, too, because there's some dirty SOBs. And that's why you don't (laughs) join a gym. Ever. <laughs> go, go go for a walk. You know what I mean? Gyms seem to be like breeding grounds for uh, for cults. It's really weird. All I'm saying is no one ever got taken into a cult for eating a donut. <laughs> all right. So that's all I have for today. Um, I know it was a little bit all over the place with the cult. I just wanted to tell you guys the basic story. I invite you to go look them up because if we really dive too deep into this, we could be here for hours and hours and hours talking about this. And we're not going to do that today because we have other stuff we have to get to. Um, But we might eventually do a part two if I find a little bit more information on another subject with this cult I'm interested in, but I can't seem to dig anything up about it. But if we do, I might do a part two on this one. All right. I look forward to maybe a part two. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So that's all I have. If you don't have anything else... You can find us on iHeartRadio, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, and most places where you find amazing podcasts, but also us. Also us. Um, All right. Stay creepy.